0: We'll spend just a few moments reflecting on the passage that Jeff just read. There was a school teacher some years ago in England who asked her class to help her to construct a manger scene in one of the corners of their classroom. And all the children got really excited about this and so they very enthusiastically helped their teacher and they constructed this beautiful manger scene. And the children really loved it. There was one little boy, however, who just kept going back to the manger scene time and time again. And so the teacher began to worry that there was something concerning him. And so she said to the little boy, is there something bothering you? And the little boy said, oh, no, teacher, there is nothing at all bothering me. And then the teacher said, well, do you have any questions? And he said, well, yes, I do have a question. What I'd like to know is this, where does God fit in? You see, as a little boy looked at the manger scene, he saw a baby, a human being like you and me, and his question was very perceptive, wasn't it? Where does God fit in? And of course, we see that John answers that question. In John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 and this little boy's question brings up a more central question to John 1 and to the whole Christmas story where does the God man fit in you see that's the question and in this first chapter of John John affirms the divine nature of Jesus verse 1 he affirms that the Word eternally existed with God and was with God and was God. John identifies the Word as the second person of the Trinity in verse 14 when he says, We have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father. The Word, the second person of the Trinity, the divine Logos, the Son of God, Jesus he is divine, and John clearly acknowledges the deity of Christ. John also confirms the humanity of Jesus. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word becoming flesh means that God the Son is the incarnate Word of God. And to incarnate means to in flesh. And from this, we get the doctrine of the incarnation that really is the central theme of these first 14 verses of John's gospel. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, at a point in human history, broke forth and took on a human nature, subjecting himself to being born of woman. And not only that, but subjecting himself to the limitations of dwelling among us on this earth. And from that point forward in human history, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, was one person now with two distinct natures, fully God and fully man, the God-man. John affirms the deity of Christ. John affirms the humanity of Christ. God affirms Jesus as the God-man. And listen to what one of the treasures of our time as far as a Bible scholar and writer, J.I. Packer, has written about the incarnation. Packer writes, but in fact, the real difficulty, the supreme mystery with which the gospel confronts us lies not in the Good Friday message of atonement, nor in the Easter message of resurrection, but in the Christmas message of incarnation. The really staggering Christmas claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was made man. The second person of the Godhead became the second man, the second Adam, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Determining human history, the second representative head of the human race, And that he took humanity without loss of deity so that Jesus of Nazareth was as truly and fully divine as he was human. Where does the God-man fit into the Christmas story? A divine and human savior is necessary that sinners would be saved from their sin. You see, if Jesus was only a finite man then his death to atone for sin could only atone for his sin and no one else's. A finite atonement would be the result if Jesus were merely a man. But the biblical doctrine of the the Incarnation teaches that Jesus was not merely a man. Jesus was the God-man. A divine person with a real sinless human nature is of infinite Worth, and his atonement an infinite atonement of infinite value and efficacy to save an infinite number of sinners. Our salvation depends on Jesus, our Savior, being the God-man. A divine and human Savior is necessary that we would have confidence and assurance that his salvation actually does bring about our adoption that we become the sons and daughters of the living God. Since Jesus has a human nature, that is, he dwelt among us, he is able to sympathize with us in all of our weaknesses, even in our being tempted time and time again. And because he is fully divine, he continues to serve as our advocate, as our intercessor, as our great high priest at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And because he is divine, he is able to dispense his all-sufficient grace, his great mercy to us that grace and mercy that we so desperately need day in and day out. Listen to these most encouraging words from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need i am glad i am blessed i am overjoyed that the christmas story is not about god only not about man only but is about the god man jesus he is the all-sufficient savior The one person, fully God and fully man, our Redeemer, our Savior. So how does God, the God-man, fit into the Christmas story? But let me ask this more. How does the God-man fit into your life and my life? John's gospel affirms that Jesus is the God-man, and that affirmation calls us personally to faith in him. The good news of the gospel is realized in verse 12 which reads those who did receive him that is Jesus who believed in his name he gave the right to become the children of God there is salvation in none other but Jesus the God-man and we are called to receive him to receive his saving work that is offered In the gospel message, we are called to believe in Him, to trust Him, that He will fulfill all of the promises in the Old Testament and the New Testament that have been given, that He is the trustworthy One, that He will forgive our sins, that He is, and on His merit only, do we find justification, adoption. That he and by his merit and in cooperation with the Holy Spirit is about sanctifying us. And that through Christ we will inherit the end of salvation which is glorification. I mean how does the God-man fit into the Christmas story? Jesus the God-man is the story. Like that little boy who was so enamored with that manger scene. And he kept going back and he kept going back. May we be so taken by Jesus that we keep going back to him. Keep receiving his saving benefits through faith. Keep believing upon him for all of the covenant promises and the gift of everlasting Life, that we would keep going back in faith to the God man. Let us pray. God our Father, we thank you that you have saved us and you have saved us to the uttermost. And God our Father, we pray that you would enable us, for those of us here who already know you savingly, that we would keep going back to you in faith and resting in you and receiving your grace and mercy and trusting in you for all that we need and all that you have promised. And maybe there's one here today who has never trusted in you or who is questioning who you are and is this Christian life and this Savior real? God, I pray that you would work that you would work in the heart of that one and bring about newness of life that maybe even today, O God, according to your will, that one here today might receive the saving benefits of Christ and believe upon him, the God-man. And whatever the case may be, O Father, we trust you to use this word that we have heard today through these many scriptures And through this reflection upon John 1, to do your good work of redemption in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.